This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello and welcome to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. I'm your host, Stephanie Muscat, registered social worker and psychotherapist. Please note that this episode is not the act of psychotherapy. So today we have Carla Wilson, who is the founder of Music Therapy at Home. She is a board certified music therapist with many years of clinical experience, optimizing the transformative power of music for clients with wide ranging needs across the lifespan. Carla specializes in supporting those living with dementia or chronic illness, adults with developmental disabilities and medical complexities, and those receiving hospice care, as well as individuals coping with grief and loss. Wow, Carla. So welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Stephanie. You do so many amazing things. And as I was saying to you before, I have a pretty big tie to music therapy as my mom was a music therapist actually in one of the major dementia hospitals that we have in the city. Wow. Wonderful. Quite ironically. (laughs) Uh Yes. So, so maybe start by telling us a little bit about how you got into music therapy. Sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, And actually it started when I was very young. I was only in about ninth grade when I first heard about the field of music therapy. You know how you do those career units in in school and, um, you know, learning, exploring and learning about some possibilities. And I knew that um, having been a musician from a very young age, playing piano and singing, um, I knew that I wanted to do something with music, but I also loved working with people and um, had had some great experiences um, singing in a choir that visited nursing homes at holiday times and that sort of thing. And just being amazed at um, what how what responses I would see those individuals have who were watching our performance, you know, and so when you plugged in those two things, you know, working with people and and music, up pops music therapy. And I had never heard of it at this was many years ago. (laughs) So um, it was something that most people hadn't heard of. And I just knew as soon as I read about it and started exploring it more, I knew that this is what I was going to do. I chose what university I wanted to go to, like right then. <laughs> and I had just like a laser focus on, on what it was that I wanted to do. And honestly, just have never turned back, you know, for, wow. for all these years. Yeah. Sounds was like it was fortunate. <laughs> really a passion from the beginning. If that's something yes. that you liked from such a young age, is there an mm-hmm. instrument of choice that you play? Sure. Piano is my instrument. I dearly love the piano. It has so many expressive abilities and um, it really gives me the opportunity to play such a wide variety of genres and artists. And and I have through the years and and now have clients that, you know, they're all over the map as far as their musical interests go. So piano makes that makes most music pretty accessible for me, although I use, uh, I, I incorporate percussion and other rhythm, rhythm instruments and, um, of course, singing. And uh, most of my sessions have some kind of instruments involved in addition to piano. No, that's, that's wonderful. My mom also was a pianist. Um, was she? It's okay. very funny. Yeah. 
what's interesting and and we can go into the incredible impact that music therapy has on dementia even at a time where she wasn't speaking we would put her in front of the piano she's also fully deaf by the way and she can she can feel the vibrations and she always Mm -hmm. has been through the piano and she would be able to play sonatas by mm. heart from many, many years ago. And it was really the crazy power of music. So I, I can completely relate mm. to what music does for people. And I, I am a huge believer in music therapy, but you know, when you work with your clients and I assume is everything virtual now or is some in person? Yes. Um, in fact, um, music therapy at home, when I created that, it was prior to the pandemic. And I I really did so with this desire to make music therapy more accessible because I've worked in different parts of the country um, and there's just not a music therapist on every corner, you know? And um, a lot of communities, the folks there don't have access to a music therapist, or if they, if there was one in the community, perhaps that person didn't visit homes or, um, you know, and and there are people who don't want to leave their home, especially now. But uh, anyway, so I have in mind some way to make music therapy more accessible. So I created music therapy at home specifically to be a virtual practice. And of course we, you know, were bombarded with the pandemic and it, was even more relevant. It's it's funny, Stephanie, because when I first had the idea and and, and first started developing the business, I couldn't find maybe just one or two music therapists around this country who, or even around the world that were doing virtual music therapy. It was almost like a no-no, you know, (laughs) kind of taboo. Like, you know, you have to be in person. It won't work if you don't, if you're not in person. And then you know, like I said, the pandemic came along and everybody went to virtual music therapy. And it's been great because, um, you know, we've shared, uh, I've been able to share with other music therapists techniques that we, you know, can benefit from and interventions that we use that can be appropriate for, you know, telehealth specifically. And it's it's been quite something to see how it's developed over the last year and a half, really. Yeah, you've really been ahead of your times for sure. When <laughs> well, you did at that. least for a little while I was. <laughs> now it's kind of old hat, you know. <laughs> Are there any specific techniques that you've had to change, obviously being virtual versus in person with people not, you know, actually touching the instruments um, in that way? What have you had to shift in that respect? Great question. Well, one of the things that I try to do when I'm working with um, older adults with uh, cognitive impairment is either invite the caregiver to participate as well. And when that's not warranted, and there are cases where, um, you know, it's, it's really in the client's best interest to have the independence of um, participating without necessarily having the caregiver um, right there participating too. But when I, I do try to get the caregiver involved in terms of like making instruments, we make very simple kinds of, um, you know, shakers and that sort of thing. I try to send, and, and this is sort of a new thing I'm doing now with, with new clients, I'm going to be sending a package of just, you know, small egg shakers and, and um, maraca, maybe a tambourine, that sort of thing, and a scarf, because I do a lot of movement. And, and it's nice to have props to sort of help you with that. And, and I find that um, my clients really enjoy the opportunity to move, holding on to something and, you know, interacting with an object while they're doing their movement. So those would be the kinds of things I think that 
are, are different. I mean, obviously not being able to do anything that's hand over hand. And in, in music therapy, we, we sometimes do that. And so I do miss that opportunity to be able to be right there and, you know, have the, uh, the instruments between us, you know, so that we can interact with it together. But it, it's really worked amazingly to me how, how responsive people have been to being able to focus on, on a, you know, a computer screen. I even wondered about that. Like, how would that how would that work? And I do see the clients who have uh, dementia, sometimes that wanes a little bit, but they come, you know, their focus is drawn back by the music. So that, you know, makes it nice too to be able to have a modality, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that's great. The program to ship people instruments, that's so smart so that they can have that actually in their own home and you don't have to worry yes. about sanitizing and all that stuff right, these right. days. <laughs> so that's Absolutely. really useful. Are there specific pieces or specific music that you choose depending on the individual, like a like their time period, or how do you usually choose what you're going to be playing and working with? Well, I do. I always do some form of an assessment before that first session. So if the client's not able to tell me, then I will speak with the caregiver and learn a bit about, you know, the, the history of that person and of what, what have their musical preferences been through the years. And then it's all, always helpful to know their age, of course, because we have found, and a lot of research has sort of bared this, uh, borne this out through the years, is that people are going to respond most, people with dementia in particular, are going to respond most to music that was popular like in their late teens, early 20s. Um, so, you know, just doing the math when they were born and then, you know, what era is it that coincides with that age, that time span for them? And, you know, once I I'm armed with, you know, some ideas of what they like, then I go in and I create my session ahead of time with all of that in mind and try to give a variety, especially at first to see what they're more drawn to, what excites them, what, you know, lights up their face, and, you know, that sort of thing and brings the joy and uh, adapt, always adapting. I mean, I don't have to tell you that as a therapist, you, you know, we're, we're meeting people in the moment and needing to adjust accordingly, you know, and I'm sure Erica mentioned that as well, or, you know, would say the same thing in her and her art therapy experiences too. Yeah, she was in our in my first podcast actually um, episode, and so definitely she said very similar things in the mm -hmm. realm of of the arts. So for sure, you have to adapt because otherwise they're not going to be receptive, and it's just not going to work. But that's neat. I didn't know that they're most receptive to a specific time frame in their life. That that's where the memories go. That is so interesting. Yeah. It, it's fascinating. Um, the more we learn about how um, music is processed in the brain and all of that, it, it's just amazing. And what, you know, what memories are stored and even it goes beyond just remembering the song and remembering the song lyric. You actually remember the feeling that you had when you listened to that music or you had that experience. So it's bigger than just, you know, oh yeah, I can remember, uh, I can fill in the last word of, you know, every line of a song. I remembered my experience. I, the feeling I had when I, you know, heard that music or participated in that music experience. So it's, it's phenomenal. And to watch people connect with, with music that was meaningful to them in that way, as you were even, you know, were saying about your mom playing 
uh, those pieces on the piano. Um, it just, it always does my heart good because I think, well, I hope that one day I'm gonna, you know, if this happens to me, I wanna still be able to play. I wanna still be able to express myself. And, and that's a need that we all have as humans to be able to have, I believe, some form of creative expression. Um, yeah. Whether it be art or music or writing or, you know, it's just, it's, it's a part of ourselves that if we can, we can continue to share that with, with people, um, even when we're older and have cognitive impairment, if we can still feel like we're doing something meaningful and creative, that's, that's wonderful. You know? Yeah. I've, you know, we, where I work, I have a lot of clients in the hospital with dementia and there is a recreational therapist there and we have people, and I'm sure you see this all the time where they haven't really engaged or spoken in forever. Mm -hmm. And you'll put on a piece of music, like for example, you know, Judy Garland over the rainbow and that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they start singing it and smiling. And it just, it does crazy things. Like it must bring so much joy to your life to see that. Well, can I tell you a, a quick story? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's it's similar and it's probably, it, it used to be a story like this was not something you heard frequently. Although as music therapists, you know, we would experience this kind of thing all the time, but that it never, even though it would happen frequently, it never minimized how really monumental it is when it happens in the moment. So I had, um, in, in, I spent many years working in the hospice field I was asked to visit with a patient of ours who was residing in an assisted living and he was very advanced in his dementia. And when I arrived there, you know, he was just sitting with his head down, sitting in his wheelchair, not interacting, not aware of what was going on around him. And his wife met me there for the, uh, the first session. And, um, she shared with me as I was getting my keyboard unpacked and everything, she shared with me that um, he loved musicals and that he had actually been in community theater and had lead roles in musicals. And she thought that would probably be the best place to start with him. So, uh, you know, I asked her if there was a favorite and um, she shared that the song Old, Old Man River was something that he really loved and connected and so that's where I started. I, I began with that song. It, it was incredible, really, Stephanie, because as soon as I'm not even starting to sing, but just hearing the introduction that I started to play on the piano, this gentleman just lifted up, you know, out of that slouched, disconnected position and lifted up and his eyes brightened. And it, it looked as if he was about to take a breath, like he was on stage about to take a breath to sing. And that is exactly what he did. As soon as the melody started with the, you know, with the uh, the singing, he he joined right in. He sang nearly every single word. And when he when he didn't know the word or couldn't access it somehow in his brain, he would substitute a word with the same rhythm, uh, which also fascinating how rhythm interacts with our brain. But anyway, you know, I just sort of out of the corner of my eye, I was observing his wife and just the tears were flowing and you know she told me afterwards that he had not she had not heard him son but she sing but she had also not heard him speak for probably two years at that point and so to hear him begin to sing again just you know it was a memory she said she would carry with her forever and I have no doubt <laughs> that that she did and uh, even though over time you know that that response was less dramatic. What was consistent 
for this gentleman was that light that I saw in his eyes, that awareness, that reconnection with um, something that had been so important to him in his life. So um, it, it truly is a powerful medium music is. There's no wow. getting around that. That is an incredible story and very, very powerful. And it really illustrates the power that music therapy and music can have on somebody, mm -hmm. even when you think that they're gone, you know, it, right. they, it just has that impact on their brain. It's crazy. And, mm -hmm. and you talk about, you know, hospice. And when we have our end of life patients in the hospital, the first thing, one of the first things we'll do is ask a family member, is there music that they liked? because it comforts them and it yes. puts them in such a good place in their mind. Even when people are in a coma, for example, mm -hmm. they've done studies to show that they can actually hear what's going on. And so we'll put on their favorite music on a stereo in a private space and, and it'll be quite loud. And that way someone can be at peace and calm and, you know, yes. it's, it's profound. It really is. So <laughs> It's awesome that you have that, you know, the staff that you work with and, and the hospital you're at, that they have that awareness and desire to do that, you know, that you do seek out the music that's going to be meaningful and, and comforting to that person. I, I just love that that's happening. And I think that's happening more and more as people become more aware of the connection music has to our well-being and, um, you know, our anxiety levels and our depression levels and, and all of that. I mean, it can truly impact the emotional pieces of us uh, so profoundly. Yes, I will say our hospital has been very, very excellent at end of life management and mm -hmm. end of life care. Obviously, there's room to grow in many areas always, sure, but that's sure. something that I think they do very well and very respectfully, um, always try to be very patient centered about that for sure. So that's something I do appreciate about them. You're clearly an asset to, you know, you. every family, how can people find you and access you in their own homes? Sure. Um, I have a website, uh, music therapy at home.com. I'm on Instagram at at Music Therapy at Home. They can even email if, if preferred. Um, I'm Carla Wilson, Carla with a K, Wilson at musictherapyathome.com. I do provide, um, the first session is free of charge because I want to give people the opportunity to see if it's a good fit, to make sure that, um, you know, they connect with music and that it's something that's going to be meaningful. And then we go from there. And I do use that first session too to begin assessing, you know, what could we do through music therapy and be able to share that with the family? So, you know, these are my ideas. What are your ideas? How can we, you know, create a therapeutic experience for your loved one that is going to make a difference in the ways that you're, you're looking for it to make a difference. Very uh, so, collaborative, such a collaborative yes, approach. Absolutely. And are you limited to the United States or can you do it elsewhere as well? No, no, I um, actually right now have a client in the UK. Um, I've, I've, I have a, a wonderful uh, contact friend, actually, she's become a friend uh, in Germany who requested a gift certificate for a, for a few sessions for another family, a family with uh, a caregiver who, who was taking care of her mom with dementia is taking care of, I should say. And she wanted them to have the experience of music therapy. So she sought me out for that purpose, which is just amazing to me that, uh, you know, that 
it is truly reaching, it can reach anywhere in the world, um, really. Nice. So no limits as far as that goes. And wonderful. Um, will, you know, I just love to meet, meet new people, new families, and just give them the opportunity to experience music in a, in a new and uh, a unique and special way. Well, Carla, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us on the podcast and thanks for sharing. (laughs) And I hope you appreciate all your interest. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Caregiver's Compass. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.